Hey, this is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm going to get some words thrown up here in a minute, um, and we're going to sing through just the choruses of Yet Not I But Christ Through Me, okay? So if you guys want... Feel free to grab your phone and read through it here on your phone if you want to do that, or up there, okay? All right, everybody quiet down, and let's think about what we're about to read, okay? It says, To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold, (laughs) this is really good, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released I can sing, I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Caesar. I am the young adult director here at Mosaic. Is there anybody's first time today? Awesome. We're glad to have you all. I met somebody who has an Australian accent and... Uh, and that's awesome, so I'm hoping to hear you talk more often after the gathering's done, because you, you can just read the Bible to me, and I'll just record it and hear it at home. That was creeper than I meant to sound. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just think that accent's really cool. Um, before we uh, invite the panelists up, um, so if, if you might know this, but uh, we send a mission uh, teams to uh, different parts of the country. We have different global partners throughout the world. Um, and so we had a team of young adults led by Caleb Kareen and Sam Watson. Uh, Caleb is a leader here. He's uh, also our, young, our, our youth director uh, at Mosaic. And so we just found out today they were supposed to leave. Um, and they've, because COVID tests did not get there on time, uh, they have not missed their flight. So now uh, they're going to have to reschedule that, and that's going to cause a whole other set of complications. And so uh, if you've been here for long enough, you know that we're not just uh, like a family, but that we believe we are the family of Christ. Um, And so what we do when something happens to our brothers and sisters um, is that we don't just send them a text being like, hey, sorry that happened to you, good luck. Um, But we actually go before the Father and say, hey, would you on our, like, because we love your children and because you love your children, we ask that you would work on the behalf of your children. And so we're together, we're gonna do as a family, as a a body, we're gonna pray for that team because uh, I'm sure that's a headache for the leaders. It's going to be a headache for the people who are supposed to receive them in South Africa. It might throw some things off. Um, it, it just not it isn't according to their plan. But as Jesus' beautiful words were in his prayer, um, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray for that. Yeah, guys? Cool. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you. We come before you, pray on behalf of our brothers and sisters, uh, for Caleb and Sam and the rest of the young adults who are on this South Africa uh, team. Uh, we know that they've tried to raise money diligently. They prepared themselves to go and, and serve your, uh, your children out in South Africa, to, the, to, to serve the body beyond just this, this local expression. They've prepared themselves by raising finances, by having the hard conversations, by praying, by gathering as a team, by, by, by being united under your vision for this trip. And yet, like many things that happen in our lives, something changes the direction. Something happens that is unforeseen. And I can imagine that some of them might feel uh, disoriented. Some of the leaders might feel frustrated and there might be anger. There might be opportunity here for Satan to have a foothold and to cause disunity in that team. But Lord, we pray against the work of the enemy. We pray that he would have no say in any of this matter because this is not their trip. It is not Satan's trip, but it is your trip that you've sovereignly designed for these people for such a time as this. And so, Lord, if we believe that you are sovereign, we believe that you are in control, only you can, can control that situation, then it's not in our hands. The only thing that we can do is come before you and ask, Lord, would, you, would we see your hand in this? Would we be able to testify that you are a God who's in control, that you are a God who has power, that when you speak, things happen, that nothing can stop you, Lord? But we just pray for unity in that team. We pray that they would not be discouraged. We pray that they would feel encouraged, that they would know that if this is part of the plan, and, 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 and even though it's not anything that they could have planned, that they know that anything that you have planned, it is for their good and for your glory. So let, them, let that resonate in their hearts. Let that be placed in their hearts, Lord. And so we pray for them. We love them and we care for them. But Lord, you love them and care for them beyond anything in our imagination. So we know that you will work this for their good and for your glory. But we just come before, them, before you on their behalf and say we join in their journey. We join alongside with them in prayer and ask that you would move as only you can move. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so as we gather for the rest of our evening, we're going to invite the panelists uh, to come on up. We're going to have Mike Ben and Carrie Waters come up. Where are they at? Yeah, you can put your hands together. Mike, you'll be sitting up here with me. You and I get to share that. It's okay. We don't want to like, I like Carrie, but you know, she's special. So she gets her own chair. Wow. Totally. Treatment. The so royal treatment. I don't have the Australian accent, so I get my own chair. That is an advantage. Mike has the Australian accent. I can be, anyway. <laughs> so if, uh, if you've been here uh, for quite a while, uh, you'll know that usually at every beginning of the month we'll have a panel discussion. And so we'll take certain topics that are prevalent for young adults that are, they're kind of trying to gauge through their, in their 20s and uh, early 30s. Um, and so this month we're going to be talking about vocation, calling, and the workplace. And I think there's, uh, there's one of the very few opportunities uh, or very few instances where I will not talk very much. If I'm talking, it's because I'm asking questions. And so I wanted to call upon people who have experience both in and outside the church, those who have worked in church, those who have worked outside of it, uh, and just how you have traversed as a disciple of Jesus in both these spaces. Um, and so I'm eager to learn. I hope that there, and we'll, at, towards the end, we'll uh, take some time to, if you have any questions that haven't been asked or answered, um, we'll give you an opportunity to take maybe three or four questions that our panelists can answer for us before the night is over. Over. Um, but saying that, this is Mike, again, Mike Ben, Carrie Waters, if that wasn't clear, Mike and Carrie. Um, to start the evening, would you kind of just give us um, a little bit of a resume, if you will, of just your journey through being a worker? Yes, I will. So, a worker bee. 
Um, I'm still stuck on traverse. That's such a big word for me. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, so, <laughs> Um, I am from Chicago. I moved down to Orlando to work at Disney World. Woo woo! Um, yeah, I love Disney. I've loved it since I was a kid. I've been vacationing there and decided, um, you know, some trauma hit in Chicago, so I decided I'm gonna go to the happiest place on earth and um, ingest the pixie dust, which doesn't solve problems, just so you guys know. Um, and so I came and worked at Disney and then worked there for a while in entertainment and then um, went to uh, Jesus Rescued Me and worked there a little longer, but then ended up coming on board at Mosaic. I worked in kids ministry. Wow, that was a long time ago. Uh, kids ministry is fun. I did that for about five years. And then um, I ended up coming into Connect and um, working in the Connect department. Yay! Connect. Um, so I love it. We So now I'm, at, I'm in Connect at Mosaic. I also worked at Oxum. So the first opening of Oxum, I got to be a part of and did that for about 10 years. Uh, so I have been on that team as well as a barista, which is a fun job too. So I've had great jobs. Um, not always great experiences in the jobs, but great jobs. So that is, that is my resume. Hey guys, it's great to be with you all. Uh, so let's see, so my journey began in Australia. Um, grew up in Australia and um, was in Australia till I was about 26 before I moved over here to the US. So I actually had a um, sports administration background. I grew up in Australia playing every sport imaginable, tennis, rugby, cricket, um, golf, and uh, really wanted to be in sports administration. So I was part of a rugby union organization um, for about three or four years, ran that organization, and then um, moved over here to work at Disney on an international uh, leadership program at Epcot. Um, so I was interning for a year, and after um, a, a fairly brief amount of time on that program, I was offered a job uh, selling minor league baseball sponsorships, of all things, out at ESPN Wide Water Sports. Uh, I knew nothing about baseball, because I didn't play that in Australia. So it was totally foreign to me, um, but so I got thrown in the, in the deep end. Uh, but I really, through that process, learned uh, how to sell. I learned business development skills, and that sort of began a journey and a career for me uh, at Disney, which lasted 22 years. So um, I retired from Disney uh, in March of this year. Uh, my role really at Disney was in a, in a group called Corporate Alliances for the most, of, most of my time at Disney. And that group builds uh, large-scale marketing partnerships with brands. So if you've ever been uh, on test track at Epcot and you've seen branding from GM or Chevrolet, uh, my role was to go out and build those partnerships with brands and really figure out what uh, a brand uh, had from, a, from a, a business challenge or a marketing challenge and bring any of the Disney assets to bear to help solve that marketing challenge. So that could have been through uh, advertising buys. It could have been through creation of in-park experiences, um, licensing agreements, or tying in with studio promotions um, through, through brands. So I had a great career. I loved it. Um, felt like uh, for the last couple of years, God had been calling me out of that space and step into something different. And uh, Renault has been on me for probably the better part of a decade to come and run Oxum Coffee. And so in March of this year, I. Um, stepped off the ledge and jumped into doing something totally different and uh, now lead Oxum from a day-to-day -day perspective. So that was my shameless plug for 
the coffee business tonight. Um, so there you go. Come on by if you haven't come by already. We're in Winter Garden. Um, so I had, a, had a, a really a great variety of different um, work experiences, um, leading small teams, and um, have loved being a part of the Mosaic story. So I've been at Mosaic um, for about 15 years. My wife and I joined the church when it was about 40 or 50 people. Um, Kerry was here at that point. She was one of the first people I met at Mosaic. Um, and we've been on that journey uh, ever since. So I serve as one of the elders now um, at Mosaic and have been involved fairly heavily during the last six months uh, helping with the staff. How about that? I see a lot of parallel. Disney, there is. Oxen, Mosaic. There is. It's funny how that worked out. That's kind of ironic. So funny. That's also one of the longest resumes I've ever heard in my entire life. How do you fit that on a two pages? I can basically teach you how to wave. That's about it. From a float. Put that on a skill. On your skill go. set right here. Yeah. And so um, just... Let's just dive in, I guess, into some of the questions that people had uh, posed for this evening. But, uh, Mike, you were saying, like, I felt called. I felt called, and I felt called. And, um, and I think that's a, it can become a Christianese word, like that, that we say it, but we don't really know what that means, right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm, call, like, I'm called to this job, or sometimes we'll abuse it and say, I'm called to marry this person, um, or I'm, I'm called to go this place, uh, or this is my calling as a Christian. And, and so I, I, I wonder, uh, from a biblical standpoint, um, and just even how it's played out in your own day-to-day lives, your personal lives, uh, how would you guys define that? How would you define what a calling is? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's that one's a little tricky for me. So I would say that there has definitely been times where I felt a definitive clarity of something that God wanted me to step in and do. And I would say for me, Oxum was that moment for me. I think there's other times where I would view my calling not so much as what I'm specifically stepping into, but who God calls me to be in whatever it is that I'm doing. So, you know, the word says to whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not men. And so I think you can be in a lot of different spaces and regardless of the space that you're in, because of your relationship with him and because of the work that he's doing in and through you, uh, he's actively working through you, regardless of whether or not you have that true sense of this is my calling right? And I think he gives us freedom. And I think the longer that I've sort of gone along, I guess, in in my work journey, I've fretted less about what I'm actually doing and uh, really just desire more and more that God would be working in me and changing me so that I can be all that he's called me to be wherever I am with whoever those people are um, in the circles that he's placed me in. And I think when you when that sense of sort of pressure to find like the right thing or am I in the right place goes away, then it can free you up, right? It can free you up to really um, be present with the people that you're working with every day, be present with the people that you're leading and be worrying less about whether or not you're in like the right spot. Yeah, 
Ladies and gentlemen, the elder of Mosaic, well done. That's a good answer. Um, and I would just follow up with it. It's it's not exactly what you're what to do what you're doing, it, but who to be. And so I would say the, our calling is who we become. It's becoming more like Jesus. Our calling is to to glorify God. It's it's what we're created to do is to to glorify God and to to enjoy Him forever. And so just you know that follow up of it's not really what you're doing. It's it's um who we're becoming. And so, and then who we're becoming while what we're doing. So we are called to work. Uh, that is in Genesis, uh, God created us to work. And um, and so it's, it's really just how do we find joy in what we're doing is more just like, well, what's my purpose of being there? And if my purpose of being there is to um, uh, display who God is and the beauty of the gospel to those who are around me, then I'm in the right spot uh, wherever I am. Um, so I would say. So that's a good answer, right? Like that, I like that answer. I'm not gonna be like, but that's a terrible response. No, that's a great answer. But I, I feel like, especially as young adults, living that out is really hard, right? Like, uh, does anybody here have a job they don't like? Currently living one they don't like? Okay, cool. And I'm sure you some, <laughs> one guy was like, I'm here, like I hate this job. <laughs> and it's okay, right? And but we're called, right, we're called as disciples of Jesus uh, to manifest his glory and his kingdom wherever we go. Um, but what about if my job truly stinks? Like whether it's they don't pay me enough, uh, uh, amen. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, all right, so I get it. Some of y'all don't make great money. I'm sorry. Um, but the Lord will supply. You know, like, and then we, you end up using, like, these terrible, like, I feel like pithy, like, responses. Like, I know you only make $8 an hour, but the Lord supplies. And it's like, well, the Lord didn't supply my breakfast this morning, you know, like, because uh, my job didn't pay me enough. Or my boss is out to get me. Or X, Y, and Z. So how do we navigate, um, for those of us who who work in spaces that don't have, like, don't have a good job or they feel it's a terrible workplace, what do we do? Do we just quit every time we don't like a job? You want me to take that one? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a few different ways to respond to that one. I think one of the questions I would ask is why, why is that your experience, right? Is that because of something that you're working through, something that God is sort of working in you on, that you're having a difficult time sort of working through? Is that why it sucks? Is it because he's doing a hard work in you and you're in a season that's just hard, right? And sometimes that can sort of um, flow out into the work that we're doing. Um, so that would be one thing that I would sort of pose back as a, as a question for you to be, be wrestling through. Um, I think, in your work journey, you, it's a constant sense of there are different things that are constantly coming at you that can create struggle almost every day, right? Particularly as Christ followers in the workplace. And so I think to be really obviously fixing our eyes on him and what he wants to work in us and through us, even in the midst of that difficulty, um, is, is super important. And there's a reason why you're in that place. You didn't arrive in that place sort of by accident. Like God has you there for a purpose. 
And, and even in the midst of that difficulty, I think we can find meaning, we can find purpose, and we can find things that he still has for us to be doing in those difficult environments. Um, and that might be as simple as like, there's other people around you who are experiencing some of the same things that you are. Like, how is it that you can help them? How is it that you can come alongside them? How is it that you can serve them? How is it that you can shine for Christ in those spaces despite all the difficulty that you might be experiencing? Um, and I think the longer you go on in your work life, you're, that will become a common experience to all of you at some point. Um, I know there was, a, there was a point for me where I was overlooked for a role that I thought that I should have got like two or three times. I was like, God, like, why am I not moving on in the journey here? And, you know, through that process, he was helping me understand that I needed to have greater respect for leaders. There was a lot of things I didn't understand and know. Um, and eventually I had an opportunity, but there was a lot of growth that needed to occur in me first. And that was part of my difficulty. That was part of the things that I didn't really love about work. I'm like, this is grinding to me. So I don't know, that was a long-winded answer. But. That's good. Um, I think that if you're constantly moving from one to the next, I would say wherever you go, there you are. So, you know, continue to say, gosh, what is it? Um, and then what's bothering me about this job? I would, if, it, if it's a human, that you're really just, man, I can't with this person every day. That person, though it does, they, they don't have the name Carrie Waters, there's going to be another Carrie Waters somewhere in the next place you work. So humans are involved, so that's what makes it complicated, um, myself included. And so, you know, a lot of times, if we stay for a little while, I would always encourage and be encouraged by the people who are just like, hey, Carrie, just stay for a little while, give it, give it some time, um, and then see, you know, how God's going to refine you in that. Because most of the time, um, you know, there's things that he's working on us, in us, and through us as we're there. Um, if it's the job, and the job is something they're calling you to do that is unethical, leave. You know, there is, there is that too. Uh, but if it, I would just say, what is it that you don't like about it? Um, Give it some time um, because, you know, sometimes the people that are there that might be really challenging for you, I call them sandpaper. So there's sandpaper in our life where the sandpaper actually makes the table look a lot smoother, uh, but that hurts. And so you're, but I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to thank God for the sandpaper in my life because that's for holiness for me. Um, but I'm quick to be like, bye, because that was painful. Um, but if I stay, there's there's things that he has for me in the midst of the, the, the job that I I might not enjoy and just giving it some time and then just say if it's been a couple of years and you're still like gosh I really don't like it you can find a new job you know God's not it's not really about the job you're doing it's about how you're doing it you know and how you're showing up and displaying him and looking into how we're affecting um, the gospel in that place yeah and so, sometimes too it's um, part of the journey is figuring out um, what you like doing, right? And am I a good fit in an organization? And so, so I shouldn't be in a job I'm miserable in? <laughs> well, I think, I don't know. I think there are times where work is difficult. I mean, when mm. God designed work, it's hard, right? <laughs> it's hard. I'm just saying, like, you know, some people I feel like they're in a miserable position and, like, should yeah. they leave or not? You, but your responses are, I cut you off. I'm sorry. I got to. No, no, it's you. You're good. You're good. So I, I think, um, I think you you find yourself sometimes too just like figuring out 
what you like and what you don't like. And part of sometimes why you run into difficulties, you figure out like, hey, my gifting isn't in administration or my gifting isn't in whatever area it is. Like for me, administration, like, ugh, oh my gosh, don't put me in that. Don't put me close. Same. Don't put me close to that. That's a disaster, right? And so part of, the, part of that wrestle is just figuring out your own wiring, how God's gifted you to be what you love to do and what you don't like to do. And sometimes you find yourself in places that are, that are difficult and not necessarily what bring you joy and what bring you life. Um, but you need to go on that journey sometimes to figure that out too. And I would say like, I love my job right now. Like I, I love it. It's my sweet spot. I'm, it's, it's, I, I can't, I'm thankful I get paid, but I wouldn't do it. I would do it even if I didn't get paid. Like it's, wow, thanks God but there's a lot of things in my job that are really hard. And you know, it's so there is that reality that even though you might love what you do, um, you know, I walk in and you know, there's months sometimes where I'm like, whoa, this is, ministry's hard, you know? And, and, and you know, even though I work with a, a lot of, you know, people who love Jesus and that's what we're going forward towards is the gospel. And, um, but still we can affect one another negatively and how we display repentance is important. Um, but, you know, just because you might be in a job that you're really good at and you really love, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be complicated, um, but giving it, you know, the ability to say, gosh, help me grow in this Lord um, and staying. I think we're quick to leave. Mm. And so uh, what I'm overwhelmingly hearing from both of you is like you truly believe um, that work is a good thing. Yeah, like that's a safe, safe, okay. So, you know, when I look at the the landscape that sometimes is the church uh, in relation to work, um, why do you think it's so easy for, for work to become our identity? Because like I, I'll be honest, like so, I, I I work here, right? I I'm a director at a ministry of a ministry in a church, and it's really hard for me sometimes to talk to to another young adult and have that not be what I am. Where like I'm not talking to you as a fellow young adult. I'm talking to you as a young adult who happens to be a young adult director, and you look at me at leadership, and that is where I interact with others, but that's not how God is calling us to, to connect with one another. So, so how do you, why do you feel like maybe work becomes our identity more than a gift? Well, I think it's, um, it's easy to be distracted by the things of the world, right? I think um, it's... it's um, easy to find identity in things that are n- not who he calls us to be or not how he sees us as, as um, his children. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously one of the greatest challenges we face as Christ followers is constantly finding ourselves being focused on him, being in um, fellowship with him, um, walking closely with him. I mean, that's a daily struggle. That's a battle, right, that we all face because our, our battle is against, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of the powers of darkness of this world, right? And so there's a constant sense in which we're being called in some ways, not by him, but by the things of the world, away from finding our identity in him, away from 
and being distracted and taking our eyes off things that are eternal and placing our things our eyes on things that are of this world. And so I just think that's a work is just one of many things that can become um, far more important than they should be in our lives. It can be our hobbies, it can be our pursuits, it can be our kids, it can be anything, right? And we love to try to fill up our lives with things that are not of him. And so I think work is one of those things that if we're not careful, and because it takes a lot of our day. I mean, you if you do something for eight plus hours a day, then the tendency is that that will become a big focal point of your life. And I think, I mean, my heart is an idol factory. So if I'm not abiding, I will always make everything an idol of something else. So um, for me, it's that, um, Definitely, I mean, I can make ministry an idol. Um, and when I was in Disney and entertainment, holy cow, that was like, I mean, it was, you know, a complete entertainment is a is an idol factory in itself. Uh, comparison and you're, you're constantly trying to do better than another person so that you can get the raise or get the promotion or get the good job. Um, and so, and I think we live in a works righteous type world. Um, the Western culture is about works and how good of a job we're doing. And, you know, don't work just five days, make sure you work six. And that, that means you're you know, doing a better job, which actually it doesn't. Um, and so I think that rat race, you know, we can get involved in easily if we're not abiding. And I, I know for me, um, especially working at Disney, that was a, a place of, could be a big, like death, and it was a death trap uh, because I was always comparing and wanting to do better and keep up and um, never good enough. And so uh, learning through, you know, working at Mosaic and, and through just sitting with Jesus more uh, abiding is what keeps my heart from uh, making that a, an idol and keeps everything we do, we do unto the Lord. And so I think that scripture continuing to remember that I'm not doing this for man, I'm doing this unto the Lord. And so, um, you know, helping that priority, that abiding. Uh, just Let's just jump into some, some practicals, right? Like, so I'm graduating from college or I'm finishing up my CP at Disney um, and I'm looking for the future right now. How, how do I discern like what jobs I should be looking for? How do I decide yes or no to a job? Do I only pick a job because it pays really well? Um, do I pick a job uh, with a company that even though they pay really well, great benefits, but I disagree with their values overall. But hey, I'll be able to pay all my bills and, and that much more. Like how, how, do you, how do we go about wisely picking jobs and looking for jobs as, as we continue working in the career that we feel we're being led to, to go in? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> you know, let me go first. I think um, the, what do you love to do? I think, first of all, what you get your degree in? What are you studying? Uh, what, what, what's, what are you passionate about? And, and look for that and, you know, ask God, gosh, I would love to do something like this. Pray and, you know, seek um, guidance in that. If there's a job that I often, people are often like, should I take this job or this job? And I, I'm nervous because what if I take this one and that's not God's will for my life? And I mean, I, I just would say, really, I don't think God matters it doesn't matter as much. I don't think God's as concerned about which job you're taking. I think he's much more concerned about who you're becoming. And so um, I think really, if you love to make coffee, be a barista. And if you love to um, work with animals, go work at Animal Kingdom. If you, I mean, 
really truly, if we're not finding our value in our job, but finding enjoyment, um, you know, don't, it's that sometimes that we think that, oh, I need to be the best of the best and, and get the best of the job to make the most money. And really truly, the more you have, the more you're responsible for, and that can be a death trap too. Uh, so what do, you, what do you enjoy? And then do that and do that with everything you have, with all show up, and, and do it well. Um, and then if you decide two years from now, you're, you just want to do a different job, do a different job if you get a different job. I, I don't think really it's a, as much about the job as it is about how you're showing up to the job and who you're loving and displaying God around you um, be, and, and discipling. Um, and God is sovereign. So if you're looking for a job and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, just know that he's already written the story. And even if you're not you don't think you're qualified for it, if he has you there, you'll be there. Like, that's how sovereign he is, which is a weight off our shoulders, truly. Yeah, that's good. Um, one thing that I would add is um, I would try to think about building a network, right? I would think about um, people who have been in the workforce for a number of years who you can just catch up with them on some sort of periodic basis and that you can be um, touching base with them and just saying, hey, what, you know, what's your experience been as you've gone through your work um, experiences and, and what, what sorts of things have been helpful to them as they've tried to make decisions about roles um, that they've accepted or, or maybe turned down. And so try to find, I would say, a group of maybe four or five people that you can really lean on, that you can really lean into their experiences and the things that they've gone through um, and ask a lot of questions, be curious. Um, I think curiosity leads us into some really interesting um, spaces when we're open to a world of possibilities and we're really opening, open to listening and hearing from others and the experiences that, that they've had. So look for other people that you can bounce things off of, um, pick their brains about and, and, and just um, really um, find some people that can almost mentor you as you go through your early career. That was one thing I always wished that I had had, which I never had, was anybody really sort of coming alongside me to say, hey, think about these things or do these things differently or how are you processing through this particular work situation? And I think if you can find a, a good three or four people that you know you can just have trusted conversations with, it'll make a world of difference to um, your, your work experiences. So... Has anybody ever seen that movie by Will Smith, The, the Pursuit of Happiness? Yes. Okay, great movie, right? Makes you cry. Definitely, like, I would suggest go watch it. Like, it's one of those movies that from the stage I can say 100%, there's nothing questionable in it's it. It's so sad. It is so sad. <laughs> there's no happiness in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Carrie, come on. I just told him to go watch it. Anyway, so his, the whole goal he's trying is to, is to make a name for himself in a sense to... to to get the job, right? And, and I think as a culture, we, we love underdog stories, right? We, we like, like Rudy, where he's finally able to play that football game or uh, the, the, the team finally wins or that person gets the job. And it seems though as though we're being told that work is the end purpose of our existence, right? Um, how do you balance that? Like, how do we, how do we balance ambition? Like, I want to get there, and yet not have it be all that my life is geared towards. Can you be ambitious as a Christian? 
Well, I think it can be. I think um, obviously the you know the word says that selfish ambition is not a good thing. So I think you've got to be careful about why you're aiming at the things that you're choosing to aim at, and it requires you to sort of dig into your heart and with God's help to say, why is it that I desire those things? Is it because there's something that I'm not finding in you that I'm trying to fulfill somewhere else? And if so, you need to unpack that and get to the heart of that and figure out um, whether, you know, how God sees you is enough. And if you're on that sure, steady ground, then I would say, okay, I don't believe there's anything wrong with desiring to do well in a, in a role. I don't believe there's anything wrong with desiring to be excellent, to be doing things that are praiseworthy, to be doing things that are admirable. And those things inevitably will lead you, I believe, to places of greater responsibility. I mean, God says, if you're faithful in the little things, I will give you more. And, 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 and I think to be desiring of more, to be desiring of stepping into spaces where you can have more influence, particularly in this culture, uh, is a good thing. It is a good thing. We need Christ followers to show up in the workplace. We need Christ followers in meaningful positions of leadership. We need Christ followers in all fields, you know, education and science and entertainment. We need believers who are at the top of organizations to start shaping culture. Um, and when we pull ourselves back and we're afraid of stepping into spaces that I believe God wants us to take, then the world begins to win. And um, so I would, in, again, I think it, it's a constant wrestle of checking yourself, why am I desiring these things? Is it for me or is it for him? But if you're attuned to what he's doing, and attuned to him wanting to, you to step into bigger spaces, then I think, it, I think it's good and I think it can be healthy and I think it can be massively beneficial for the kingdom. So I, I love that perspective that you're having of, man, like God is not calling everyone to, uh, if you're a Christian, your goal should not to be work, like work at a church. Like that's not the end goal either, right? Even that's where we work, right? Like uh, um, it wasn't even where I thought I'd end up. But um, I lost my train of thought, and you, can, you want to talk? Go ahead. But the I fact think. that I work at a church, I would have never thought I would work at a church. Grown like, man, if, while I was working at Disney, church wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't even a believer, but um, became a believer, and I still wouldn't have thought I'd work for a church. I was going to teach for sure. Um, so God directs your steps, you know. So just remembering too that whatever you're aiming for isn't going to fulfill you. Only He will. Um, but you know, we can continue to to pursue what we are passionate about because he's given you those passions. Um, and so he's directing your steps as he's given you the passions and he's going to work all that out. Um, sometimes I would get so stressed at like, gosh, what am I doing? What should, be, what should I be doing? And the Lord's like, abiding. That's your only job. <laughs> like, continue to abide, Carrie. And whatever you do today, do unto the Lord. And, you know, just kind of. Thank you. You gave me time to remember my questions. So I appreciate that. But thank you for the response nonetheless. Um, ben, you were just talking, Mike, Ben, Mike, you were talking about how uh, that God sometimes will place us in, in organizations and positions of leadership that we would be able to influence culture. Um, but do you think there's any places 
that are unredeemable, that Christians just shouldn't be in. And I, and I, and I you know, we're talking to, to Gen Zers and, and, and some millennials here, and we've seen the way politics is. And, and in fact, you know, we'll have half a generation, probably the older side of millennials and the other side say, like, y'all should be in politics. You should know everything there is about, about politics. It, you know, whether it's Fox News or CNN News, whatever it is that you're watching, you should be quite informed and you should be part of that process. And, but then we'll, we'll have Gen Zers and, and, and the, just that, like my, like my version of millennials, like that shares a lot with Gen Z, but it's not Gen Z entirely. Um, saying, man, but I've seen how politics is. That's an evil place. They're all liars. They're all ex- I mean, very terrible things that we'll call them. And so are, are, is that an unredeemable space? Are there unredeemable spaces? Are there places that Christians just should not engage in and just say, listen, that is of the world, and I have to leave that in the sovereignty of God? Well, I mean, I think there's definitely some spaces that we shouldn't be in, right? They're immoral completely immoral spaces to be in and you wouldn't want to put yourself in a place where you know you're really setting yourself up to um you know not not be in a in a good healthy place in terms of your relationship with the lord but i other than highly immoral you know spaces i i don't believe there are places that are unredeemable i mean even to use your example of politics i think I would say politics is a perfect example of where Christ followers should be, right? Um, I think if you're going to turn back the tide of culture, Christ followers need to be in all of those spaces. Um, I think when you step into those spaces, you've got to be watchful. You've got to be on your guard. You need a ton of support. You can't be in those spaces on your own. You need a strong support network around you, people who are holding you accountable to how God wants us to live. Um, but I think he wants us in difficult spaces and, and because I think when we're salt and light to the world, in dark spaces, we're salt and light to the world. And our light shines super brightly. And if you're, you know, going back to what Carrie said about abiding, if you're abiding closely with him and you step into those spaces, people notice a difference they see there's something different about you. They, they're they like curious. They're like, what is going on in the life of this person? I want that. Why is it that they're doing things that everybody else is not doing? And the more that we show up in these spaces, um, the I think the bigger difference we can make for the kingdom. And just to be more pointed and I, just to kind of continue this conversation, like let's just say that I, I'm in a position in a company currently, right? Um, but now there's there are things being asked of me or and I'm not like I don't want to name names because I, I, I really don't because I don't it just gets tricky and messy. But if I work in a company that's asking certain things of me or um, like, let's say I work in advertisement and there are certain things they're asking me to advertise that is completely antagonistic to what I believe the Christian life is. What do I what do I do? Do I. Do I leave? Do I stay? Do I under the under like the the zeal of like? But I we're we're turning the 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 tide of culture. I, I have to stay, even if it means me kind of bending some of my morals. Or do I leave? And you know, like I'm sure there's some people here who have certain positions in in, in their jobs that are having to ask themselves that question. Yeah. So I don't. Um, 
I think you, as soon as you begin compromising, it's a slippery slope, right? It, it's, you compromise once or twice and all of a sudden you're compromised all over the place. Um, so I think you, as difficult it is, as it is, you have to stand for what's right. And you've got to stand for the things of God, whatever those things are. And if that means challenging your leader or not going with the flow of whatever the rest of the office is up to, then they're the things that I believe we're called to do. We're a strange people, right? We're strange people as Christ followers. And we're strange people for a reason because this is not our home. And, and the, in some ways, the stranger we are, the more attractive we are. And I know that can sort of sound weird. Um, but the more we take a stand, and, and, and the reason why it's so important, I think, and more so today, is because people are desperately searching for the truth. And when you're willing to stand for Christ and you're willing to stand for the things that you believe in, well, people notice, they wonder why. And I think it, you're, in essence, beginning to plant seeds in them, really gospel centered seeds of um, I need to learn more I need to discover why this person is the way that this person is and so never underestimate even in the midst of the difficulty that you're going through or the stand that you're taking that you're having an impact because you are and even if that causes you to lose a job or even if that causes you to be the person that's isolated on a team the, I think the joy that you find in the midst of that difficulty can help overcome the difficult spaces that you find yourself in. So keep standing, keep fighting the good fight um, and doing the things that he's called us to do. Yeah, which I would say is a greater display of the gospel, what you're saying. Like if you continue to do the things that you don't feel are morally, um, then that is walking with the world and conforming to the ways of the world. So I would say um, when you do stand against that, that that is a what? They're weird. Um, and a display of the gospel to them. And then if you feel like, gosh, I really just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, you could request, well, I, I'm happy to, you know, stay here and work in a different job. You know, I can, you know, if you're feeling like, gosh, this this is the company, though, that I feel like I, I really want to stay and, and be a light, but I don't want to do this job, you could request another spot where it's maybe you're now, you know, investing in, um, working at the desk and, and answering phone calls or, you know, sweeping and stuff like that can be a different role, um, still being a part of that. But um, I know that when you also have to consider who, you know, where your temptations lie, um, because a job for me, I know when I worked at Disney, there was a, you know, more of my temptations were in that of the, the you know, the character department being beauty and all of that focused. So for me, it was a, gosh, this this became dangerous for my soul. So I actually stepped out, not because there was anything compromising, but just because it wasn't healthy for me um, and that I needed to go into a different job to, be, you know, become more protective of, of my temptations. So. so I'll just ask one more question and then we'll, we'll take any uh, three or four questions from those who are here. Um, and so Paul exhorts us saying, whatever you eat, drink, or do, do it onto the glory of God, right? Um, and then some of us might be in entry positions or uh, might be 
uh, in a position that just feels less than like how do I flip burgers to the glory of God or, um, I mean, like it I think sometimes when we talk about work it can feel so separate from our spiritual being um, how how do we connect the two how are we connecting the the physical act of work to the glory of God um, while still feeding our soul to the glory of God through the work that we do whether it's being a manager of, of a at a retail store or flipping burgers or making coffee or being the CEO or working at Disney or being a VP like how, how do I how am I able to tie both of those things together so that it's not a one or the other but it is both onto the glory of God I think it's um how you show up matters. So every conversation you're engaging in, if it's a conversation where this starts to be gossipy, um, you just, you know, walk into a different direction or go into a different room. You know, how is it that um, every every moment of the day, you're, what are my words to these people? Are they life-giving or are they life-sucking? Um, and, and, and being aware, uh, showing up on time, um, loving the people around you. If you weren't working there, would they notice? So if I'm not participating in this company, would that, would that matter? Um, how is it that I'm surprising and delighting my, my coworkers? How is it that I'm surprising and delighting the sandpaper that I'm working with? And you know, loving that person, because honestly, it's, it's praying for these people. That's where you need to start. Start on your knees in the morning. God, I'm praying for the people. Every person I'm gonna see today, help me serve them. We're servants. And so walking into your workplace tomorrow and saying, how can I serve every person that I see? How can I serve and lead up? So every person that's around me, though I might not be a manager, we're all leaders. And you know, we have followers. And, and reality is, what are we leading them to? Are we leading them to God? Or are we leading them to ourselves um, or to the world? And so you know, in, in that place, you're making decisions. In that place, you're evangelizing, and um, people are watching. And you know, is are, do we look different? As Mike was saying, do do we we should we shouldn't blend in. Uh, we should um, look uncommon. And so, how is it we're spreading that uncommon love to all the people, which is the love of Jesus? And so, um, do I have a Bible on my on my desk? Has anyone asked me about it? Um, do they ask me, hey, Carrie, why do you do that? That doesn't make sense. And um, that seems different than the rest of the people. If, I, if they haven't asked me that, then I'm, I'm going to look and say, gosh, how can I show up different tomorrow? Um, and here's the cool thing. We're going to screw it up. And that's okay, because the, the neat thing about the gospel is repentance and um, that reconciliation part is just as beautiful in the gospel. And so how quick are we to go to someone and be like, ah, oh, I just messed that up and I'm super sorry. I hurt your feelings. I didn't, I didn't make you a priority in that. Uh, I overspoke in that. I, I was offended in that and that was on me and I'm sorry because I don't have a right to be offended. Um, I was defensive, you know, so how are we showing up to say, gosh, I, I want to serve you and love you. And that's, that's easy when we love the people, but it's really hard with our enemies. So um, that would be. That's great. I love the service piece and the servant heart that you mentioned, Kara. I think that's something that is like so important in an organization. There's always an expectation that you're in essence going to serve your leader, right? But I think when you serve those who are your peers or those who perhaps are underneath you in an organizational hierarchy sense. Um, it's very uncommon these days. It's unexpected. And when you do that and you do it well, it grabs people's attention. Um, and coincidentally, 
it also sets you apart as an employee. It does. Like, God's principles work. <laughs> they just work. And over time, as you serve people, people notice that you're serving people. And the more that you do that, the more that people recognize that you're valuable to an organization and that they want you as part of an organization and that you're worth promoting within an organization. So serve people well. Give your heart to people. Be willing to be lowly. Be willing to get down and be with people that are underneath you and help them. And the more you do that, the more you'll find you're actually elevated within organizations. It works. Thanks, Mike. Uh, we have time for about two to three questions. Are there any questions anybody has? All right. We got one. Any other question? All right. Out two. Okay. So we'll start here. I'll come in with the mic. I don't want to stand. <laughs> um, so I am a salon manager for PetSmart Grooming. I've been a dog groomer for going on 10 years now. Um, my question is, is now that I'm in a management role, uh, how would you say you would handle being a leader around so many different ideals? Uh, sometimes uh, for me, essentially being uh, like an emotional chameleon around each and every associate is hard um, and maintaining myself appropriately um, and my responses can, it can be really stressful um, because I'm, I'm still going to mess up every time. So is there something that you guys use in the back of your mentality to kind of remind yourself of what my appropriate response should be each time? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, um, you know, every situation is different. Every moment that comes at you in your workday is different. Um, there's different ways to navigate through that. Sometimes the right response is just to say, you know what, thanks so much for sharing that with me or for giving me that feedback. Would you mind if I thought about that? Would you mind if I reflected on what you told me? Uh, you know, you shared a lot with me in that moment. I'd love to just sort of process through that a little bit and really think about what you've, you've shared with me and I'll, I'd love to get back to you tomorrow or the next time they're on shift, right? Sometimes we don't have to respond in the moment and feel like we have to give a response. And sometimes just giving yourself that freedom to not feel the pressure to give a response actually lets you breathe and it lets you be more thoughtful with that team member. Um, obviously, sometimes if you're in an operational setting, you need to give an answer, right? Um, so it really just depends on the circumstances. I mean, you obviously quickly asking God, like, hey, what do I say? Like, what should the response be? And I don't do that well all the time. I often act out of my own strength and, you know, what I think is right in the moment. So that's something that I need to be actively, actively working on. Um, and then I think in terms of sort of building culture, I think part of your question is building culture. It's... Um, how do you show up consistently with your team so that your team feels like you're invested in them? Um, and, and to build effective culture, um, 
you really want to be going out of your way to be helping those team members individually. So what are the little things that you can be doing for each of those team members so that they know that you care for them? And that can be as simple as like remembering birthdays, picking up a conversation from where your last conversation left off that shows that you're invested in them and you're emotionally pouring into them. Um, there's a thousand different ways that you can do those things. But, but um, building that consistency of relationship with people over time will matter and it will build strong relationships and it will also then make difficult conversations if difficult conversations have to happen at times it makes those conversations go much more smoothly as well because people know that you've got emotional equity with them and you've built that equity with them in a way which they know you've got your, their back and, and they know that you care for them. Next question. All right. Sorry, I'm a little nervous when it comes to this. My question is how do I deal with my company that I work for wanting me to take a higher, you know, higher step in management even though it doesn't seem like a benefit or stuff like that, but at the same time I've been questioning whether I should take it or not. So I don't know. Like, it's kind of hard. I think that um, when, when those decisions come, it's, it's that, okay, Lord, if I do this, does it bring me closer to you or does it steal time away from you? Um, and I think those are, sometimes I would just, you know, we, we're quick to say, yes, I want to go up the corporate ladder, but going up the corporate ladder can steal our time away from God and community. And so I'm a big, I'm a big um, believer that, you know, it's, it's, it's really valuable to be in community you know, in church and, and be around uh, fellow believers who are, who are pouring into you and, and shepherding you and, um, and you as well to them. And so, you know, I would say I, I'm a big believer too that if you're moving somewhere, find a church and then find a job around the church. You know, it, it is, it, we make it all about the job where really we want to make it all about, um, gosh, what's going to help me fall deeper in love with Jesus? Let me do that. So if, if taking this promotion um, would give me more opportunity to uh, to be able to, sh you know, show the gospel and share the gospel and, and, and display God's love to, to different people uh, in a different way, then absolutely do that. But if it's going to take more time and, 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 and then maybe it's going to steal away from, you know, those are just factors to factor in while you're making that decision. And I think it's good too to, um, if you... If you believe a role isn't right for you, then I would have good conversation with whoever's encouraging you into that role so that they understand with clarity why you think that role may not be good for you. All right, so you, I think you want to make sure that there's that, that circumstance doesn't leave a whole lot of unanswered questions that then makes maybe your leader or other leaders in the company maybe question whether or not you might want the next role that comes up, right? So I'd be really specific about why it is you're turning that role down. Um, like, hey, here's the reasons why. I really desire to be promoted, if that's what you know your desire is, but just making sure that there isn't um, a lot of ambiguity around why you turned a role down will be important for your future place in that company. Um, and, and, you know, 
help probably even deepen your relationship with with your current leader so that they know more deeply about who you are, what matters to you, and the things that are important to you. Final call and one last question. Oh, oh. I saw her hand first. Sorry, Ryan. Now I just got to get through. Hi. I'm also very nervous about asking this question. I really hope that it makes sense in a way that I can convey my question in my heart. Um, how would you take logical steps in being, or not logical, just steps in being salt and light in a place where there's so much darkness and being like, say you're the only Christian there or say you think you're the only Christian there. How would you just be able to shine in that space? Like, how? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, there's, there's two ways to go about that. There's words and action, right? Um, actions will begin to um, lead people to a place where they ask questions of you and why perhaps you're different. And so to me that would be doing things again that probably feel surprising to people or different to people in a way that shows that you care for them, that you love them, um, that you're invested in them. I think oftentimes too, in particularly in big organizations, it's easy for some people to feel incredibly isolated. And so if, you know, Jesus went after the lost, right? And so if you're looking for people that you can come alongside of who you recognize they're struggling or you recognize there's difficulty, then it helps you easily create relationship with those people. And that's always a good place to start. If you can start with people who find themselves in the midst of hurt or pain or suffering or difficulty, then and you sympathize and you empathize and you care and you love and you show that you're committed to them, um, that's a good that's a good jumping off point. So I'd say there's the action piece and then on the on the word side of things um you know it's pretty uncommon for God to not answer a prayer when you're asking to share your faith with the world. That's a prayer that God I've found answers pretty consistently. <laughs> if you're praying for opportunity you're going to get opportunity. Now, you may not always take that opportunity, right? We all have those moments where we're like, we freeze or we're like, is this the moment? Is this not the moment? Am I going to, right? Am I going to be, right? Oh, darn, it's gone. Oh, I lost it. That's okay. Pray again for an opportunity, right? And I, and I believe he'll, he'll place those opportunities in, in front of you. Oh. So that's how I would step into probably the, the, you know, the action piece and then the word piece. And once you get those opportunities, ask God to speak through you and what comes out of your mouth. If it's his words, it's going to be perfect for that person at that moment in time. And then see what he does with that conversation. Can I just, just to answer, I, from my experience, all the limited because I do work at a church, so these conversations tend to be like, you believe in Jesus too, right, Carrie? Like, that's awesome. Uh, I hope you do. Um, but 
<laughs> typically, I think what, what, can, what can put off a lot of people who are not Christians um, is that we first profess Christ without professing the transformation he's done in our life, right? So like, here's this Jesus dude. I hope you like him. And it's like, well, I have no idea why I would. Um, and this is where you get to say, this is where my life becomes a testament to what he's done. And what humans want at the, at the end of the day is connection. It's, it's, it's knowing there's a relationship. So, you know, yeah, we, we, we tend to say, look at your job as a mission field. Yes, it is. But, but they're humans who want to be known. So ask them questions. What is your life like? Invite them to go to dinner. Let them know your friends without the guise of being like, the only reason I'm talking to you is so you know Jesus. Like, the reason I'm talking to you is because you're human, like me. Let's get to know each other. And then they're going to see your life and be like, I don't get why you're like this, but I like it. And then you're able to say, well, yeah, because Christ died for me, rose from the grave, and you get to profess Christ and your transformation. And, and, and I think that, for, for me, I think is more attractive to, to many people our age in the, in the workspace that we are in, because there already, there's already that, that, and like, that off-put in, it's like, I don't wanna hear about your Jesus, because I've heard about the church, and it's not great. It's like, fine, but let me show you a life that I've lived that may be attractive to you. And then you say, okay, but this is why, because of Christ. And so that's just my, my two cents on it. And I would just say, um, it's such a good question. Thank you for asking. Because, I mean, that's reality, right? How do we be salt and light? The, just show up. Because the Holy Spirit's in you. And he's working through you. And he's doing that work. Um, so it, that, that's the that's step. Don't be afraid to just show up. And then also make sure you're preaching the gospel to yourself in the morning before you even go. Because uh, refreshing yourself to the gospel. Evangelism is just an overflow of the gospel that we've refreshed ourselves with. Um, and so it really is just, when it's considered to be an overflow, it's because we've downloaded um, on our way there. And we, we, we've read the scripture before we went. And, and so we just really want it to be something we can't help but share with excitement and joy, which that's contagious to people too. I'll take one more. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you had the same question. We kind of did, but I have like a, a different perspective on that same question. I'm just going to give another opportunity to somebody else just in case. <laughs> Anybody have another question? It's yours. It's yours, but I see the Lord wanted you to have it. So it's kind of creepy. Her and I kind of have the same question. I work as a corrections officer, so I kind of ask, like, we're told to be empathized towards people. We're also supposed to give sympathy. How do you, how would you, like, as a Christ follower, be able to separate those two things so you're not empathizing with the inmate, and, but still being sympathetical towards them? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a tough question. That's you. Yeah. You're the panelist. I, I mean, I, th I think just that. It's <laughs> a good question, but like we like with just what she was, what we were saying is when when we're up, when we're overwhelmed by the gospel, uh, I don't. Des I deserve hell, right? So when I remember that God's gifted me with eternity, based on my actions, aren't that's not the case. It's based on God's love and him redeeming me um, and I nothing special in me um, and you know 
so when I remember that, then I'm able to go to a non-believer and sympathize and say, oh gosh, I want this for you. Um, and, and not look to his actions or her actions, uh, but that, that does grow sympathy um, in saying, like the thief on the cross, you know, it's that, man, we've all done horrible, horrible things. And, and when I can remember my plank in my eye, uh, it, it, it grows sympathy in me for the next person and remembering if they're a non-believer, they're going to hell. That's the worst thing. There's, there's really nothing worse, right? So it's like my purpose in life is I get to, to be in his presence and the Lord's in me and w- what's God gonna do? And that's not up to me, that's up to God, which is freeing. But if I'm remembering the gospel, then I'm pouring out um, the gospel in, in his love and sympathy. It's a great response, Gary. I got nothing else. Anyway, so that is going to wrap up this month's uh, Q&D night. Let's put our hands together for Mike and Carrie. Thank you so much. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, Please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.